take our Bibles. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark this morning, chapter number 12. Mark chapter number 12. Our text will be verses 28 through 31. We'll read it in just a moment. 1836, General Sam Houston rallied his inferior, smaller, less equipped army against the superior, larger, and better equipped army of General Santa Anna by a rallying cry. If you remember what that rallying cry was, remember the, the Alamo. Various companies have sayings or slogans they use to inspire and remind their customers of their product. Let me uh, say the slogan, and you either say the company or finish the slogan for me. See how well they have done. Just do it. Yeah. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there is MasterCard. I'm glad not many knew that one, because that's an awful one. That's terrible. The ultimate driving machine. BMW. That's... The only ones that answer that are the ones that own BMWs. You're in good hands with? Oh, yeah. What's in your wallet? Capital One. You can do it. We can help. Home Depot? Can you hear me now? Verizon. These last several, they're classics. I don't know if our younger people will get them. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Alka-Seltzer. Is there anything more disgusting than Alka-Seltzer? How many have ever had the privilege of trying to gut, gut down one of those drinks? My dad lived on that stuff when I was a kid. He'd come home, make me an Alka-Seltzer, honey, and I'd see that stuff fizzing out of there. Snap, crackle, pop. Nice crispies. Mm-mm, finger licking good. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Time to make the donuts. Remember that, Dunkin' Donuts guy? Yeah. And then this final one, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. That's another lie, isn't it? Over these last three years as I've been the pastor here, we've had some themes. Um, My first one was based out of Psalm 46, verse 10, be still. And we just had a black sign with those white letters, be still. And then um, we had the the theme family one year. And we had, I I liked it, the, the I's and the L's looked like little people in that, little family there. And then we had generation to generation. Each of those themes were, I believe God led me in those, but also they were motivated by circumstances and situations around and in that time. When we talked about be still, we were, Heritage was going through a time of transition. Uh, there was some difficulty, some volatility here. And, and uh, I remember the Lord just brought me to Psalm 46 and and I felt like, boy, we just need to pause, everybody, and let God see what God's going to do. 
be still, not, not react or overreact too much. And I think the Lord used it. And then family, we're coming out of COVID, coming back together and wanted to emphasize the importance of a, the family in the church, not just the moms and dads and kids, but the family of Heritage Baptist Church. And that we were a family and are a family. And then generation to generation, as we celebrated our 40th anniversary, then went into the 41st year at Heritage. And one generation that God had used here and is still using in many ways. But it's time for that next generation to arise and to, to, to take some leadership and to be involved. And I guess we'll find out in five or ten years if that took hold here. We'll know, won't we, what will happen here at Heritage as this new generation comes on. And so this year, the Lord has led, I had a group of men, we met together for several weeks and prayed and discussed various aspects, and even through some preaching of some of our guest preachers, the Lord used some of those thoughts to, to lead us, and we've came up with these three words this year, love, serve, reach. And um, it's my prayer that it will be received far more than just a slogan or even a rallying cry, but it will become something that will represent personal and individual growth amongst each of us in this year, in 2023, and in the years to come. I trust that each of you, or at least a member of each family or couple, we're able to get a pamphlet today, a little booklet here that contains some thoughts behind this year's Love, Serve, Reach, our theme. And if you haven't already, ready, I trust you'll read through this today and you'll pray about it. And I pray that you will embrace it with us this year. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Serving God through his church right here at Heritage Baptist Church. And then reaching the world with the life-changing gospel. We're going to take the next several weeks and we're going to look at uh, love. And then we'll get into serve and then reach as the Lord leads and directs over the coming weeks. But I trust that it will become heart, part of our hearts again, not just for this year, but for the years to come. We have at least three recordings in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 is quoted. And I want to consider that passage in Mark today as, as our text for this morning. Would you follow along as I read verse 28 down through verse number 31? It says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like Namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Father, I pray that you'd help us today as we consider this passage, as we introduce the thought of love, serve, and reach, and specifically cover this thought of loving God today. With all our heart, 
soul, mind, and strength. Pray that you'd guide us, direct us, that you would work and minister in hearts, convict hearts. Lord, that you change people today. Lord, that we would be responsive. We would be soft and pliable, tender in your hands today, and allow you to work in our lives, God. And Lord, for all that's accomplished, we'll be careful to give you all the glory and the praise for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice with me in verse 28 again. It says, And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? You'll notice that a scribe has come to Jesus, having watched and uh, perceived some things that were going on in this this background here, he comes with this question. If you'll notice with me, look at verse 13 of this chapter. It says, And they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his word. Verse 18, Then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, and they asked him, saying, Then again in verse number 28, we have a person described as a scribe. These were the religious leaders of the day that Jesus was serving in and living in here, the religious leaders of the Jewish faith. They were called Pharisees. We saw that in verse 13. A Pharisee means separated ones, and they were known as the legalists of their day. Uh, You may be familiar... uh, Probably the most familiar Pharisee is in John chapter 3 where we learn about a Pharisee named Nicodemus that came to Jesus by night. And so there were Pharisees. Also in verse 13, there's some folks called Herodians. Herodian, uh, these were Jewish people that were loyal to the government of Herod, who was there, the, the figurehead there in Israel from the Roman government. They were loyal to the government of Herod and desired for Israel to embrace the ways and customs of Rome. And so they said, hey, they're here, they've got us, let's just follow suit with this. There were Sadducees there in verse number 18. The name means righteous ones, but they were known as the liberals of their day. They held only to the Pentateuch, or those first five books of the Old Testament written by Moses, and they did not believe in a future life or the resurrection of the dead. For that reason, they were sad, you see. Get it? Yeah. They did not believe in the resurrection. And then there's the scribes. Now, you may think of a scribe as just a secretary that that wrote out scripture, but This was a body of men that who expounded upon, taught upon, excuse me, and guarded the scriptures. And these were the religious groups and leaders of the Jews in that day. These groups were distinct and oftentimes were at odds with one another. They didn't get They didn't like each other oftentimes, although there were times some of them blended, like scribes could be a Pharisee. In fact, Matthew's account of this passage described that person, the scribe, as a Pharisee as well. And so there were times that they blended, but 
Again, Sadducees were often against the Pharisees, and the scribes were against the Herodians, and on and on. But Jesus found himself oftentimes at spiritual combat with all of these groups, and because he was their enemy, a mutual enemy, they often would put aside their differences and come against Jesus together. Trying to, as you notice in verse number 12, or excuse me, verse number 13 again, it says, and they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. Trying to deceive or trying to catch him in a, in a way where they could ha- bring accusation against him. These people had rejected Jesus Christ. He came and he claimed to be the Son of God. He came and he claimed to be their Messiah. And they rejected that. They refused to believe this. And so here we have an account in chapter number 12 of Mark where you have various groups of these religious individuals coming after Jesus, asking questions, trying to trip him up, trying to deceive him. And there here we have now this scribe in verse 28. One of the scribes came, having heard the reasoning, them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well. In other words, the things that Jesus was asked, he said, you know, he did a good job answering that. And that leads him probably to a sincere question here in verse 28. He says, which is the first commandment of all? Now, when he asked that question, he's not asking which was the first commandment given, but he's asking which is the greatest, the most important, the most significant commandment. That question tells you much about these religious leaders and even much of our religion today. Uh, See, these religious leaders, they had broken down the Old Testament and the law they had broken it down into 613 different commandments and prohibitions. 613 things they were to avoid not doing. And what they did is they weighted them. They wanted to see which ones were more important than others. Can you see the scale coming out? As they looked at, what if I did this and it outweighed that? How many of you have ever talked to somebody about heaven... And maybe just would ask them the question, what does it take for an individual to go to heaven? Or or how could I get to heaven? And they would have an answer in some fashion of, if my good works outweigh my bad works. Have you ever heard that or even maybe thought that at some point in your life? They try to get this scale going. And can I be good enough that my good works will outweigh my bad? Let me answer that clearly and shortly for you. No. You can't. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, not by, uh, excuse me, uh, I just almost quoted Titus 3, 5. Let me quote Titus 3, 5 since it's right here. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. And then Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I'm going to paraphrase. Uh, it says there that we're not saved by our works, but by the grace of God. So you cannot be good enough, you cannot do enough works to make yourself right with God. But here's this guy asking, here's this religious leader, which is the greatest, which is the first, which is the highest of these commandments? 
And so that's his motivation. I want to see what I can do that's going to outweigh other things that I've done to make me right with God. Well, Jesus answers him. Now, I don't believe he's answering him to give him something that's going to make him more right with God, but I think he gives an answer that, that was true in that day, and it's true today. The first or greatest commandment is this. According to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and verse 5, that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like unto it. You love your neighbor as yourself. The passage of scripture in Deuteronomy was important to the Jewish, the devout Jewish people. It was a scripture that was quoted daily. Many of them wore that scripture. What do you mean wore that scripture? Devout Jews of that day and even today will wear something called a phylactery. P-H-Y-L-A-C-T-E-R-I-E, I believe. And they would either wear it on their wrist or on their forehead. It was a leather pouch with straps on it. And inside of those pouches, are, they, they, they carried significant and important scriptures that they would take out and they would read and they would rehearse them to bring them to memory. And this was one of those verses from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It, it's, it's called um, Shema, which means to hear. You look in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel. And it comes from the, the root word, Shama, which means to hear and obey. They were to hear this, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. They were to hear that and obey that. This became part of the creed of a devout Jewish person, but it had become a works it had become their motivation to try to make themselves right with God. And of course, they lost the purpose and the vision behind this teaching. Well, it's from those verses that we want to take this thought of loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Now, I believe the primary teaching of naming the, the heart, soul, mind, and strength, I believe it's teaching this that we love God in a way that encompasses all of ourselves. It, it, it's all of us. But I think it's worth us noting the thoughts behind a heart, the soul, the mind, and the strength. And I want to give you four words with these four thoughts of loving God with all our heart loving God with all our soul, loving God with all our mind, and loving God with all our strength. When we consider loving God with all our heart, would you please consider this word, deep or deepest? Deep or deepest. The word heart is often used to describe the inner man, the real you, the center of who we are. And by the way, God needs to be at the center of who we are. Amen? Our love for God is not one that we should just add on like we would a large fry with our quarter pounder. It's not just an addition to this, but it should be primary. It's not something that should just be once a week. And we'll see you next Sunday morning. 
And you put on your love for God this morning, but the rest of the week it's not evident or it's not prevalent in your life. When we speak of the heart, church, we're speaking of the deepest and most intimate part of a man. And that's where our love for God should be. When we love God the deepest, the most intimate, the most center part of our life, do you realize how that affects the rest of your life? In fact, if you could consider this with me this morning, that when I love God most, when I esteem God the greatest, when I make him the center and the deepest part of my life, all other loves find their proper place. Everything else finds its proper order. I can remember as a youth pastor 20-some years ago, uh, um, coming up with messages where I would try to give teenagers and young people an order of priorities in their life. You know, things that I thought would be good, that it would be number one, two, three, four, five, six, and so forth. And, and, and work on that and try to, hey, hey, you need to be faithful in church. You need to do daily devotions and you need to witness and try to find, and they were good things. But the more I've grown in my Christian life, I just found out this. One thing, you put God number one and he'll bring order to the rest of your life. He will put things in the proper place. I don't have to worry about two through ten because God will put them in the proper place. Loving God supremely, loving God the deepest, loving God the most brings all other loves in their proper place. But think of this as well. All other loves are, are exalted higher when you love God the most. For instance, if I were to say today that I love my wife the most, she's number one in my life, even above God, at that level, this is as high as I could love her. But if I will say this, that I love God the most, my love for Rachel increases. Even if she was number two in my life, it's higher and it's greater when I love God the most. Listen, loving God the deepest, loving him with all your heart, makes all other loves better. So I encourage you today to love God the deepest. Make him number one. Not an addition, not, a, not an add-on, everything in your life. Loving God with all your heart, the deepest. Loving God with all your soul. Here's the word I want you to think of today is the word devotion. Devotion. Both in Deuteronomy and Mark, this word soul carries the idea of living, breathing, a living individual. It's pointing to the physical life that is present. They are a living soul. There is life there. <coughs> the thought of loving God with our soul follows the thought of life, the physical life. What I believe is being highlighted is the idea of giving one's physical life to God <coughs> or being devoted. That is required when you love God with all your soul. Devoted to, a devotion, a commitment. This year, many of you have started 
a new diet regime, a new exercise program. And if it's going to be successful, it's going to take commitment. It's going to take devotion. You're going to have to physically wake up in the morning and get on that bike. You're going to have to physically push the plate away. I wish I would have done that with that bag of popcorn last night at 10 o'clock. Pushed it away. It takes commitment. It takes devotion. Even when you want that, you say, no, I'm going to say no. That's devotion. (coughs) I apologize. Diet and exercise. And then we could say this loving God with your soul takes commitment and it takes devotion. I might have to have someone else come up and preach the rest of my message here this morning. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, would you help me get through this message? Help my voice to get through this, this little tickle that won't go away. Would you remove it, God? Don't let Satan use this as an interference of what you want us to get today, God. In Jesus' name. And so loving God with all your, your heart, loving God with all your soul, and then loving God with your mind. We've talked about uh, uh, this idea of deepest and devotion. Let's also not consider this thought of dependence when we think of the mind. The mind is carrying the idea of one's thoughts or their thinking. Another word that I have found on this is the thought of perspective. And um, a very familiar passage of scripture, Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, Ron Johnson spoke on it yesterday morning, chapter, five, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding or thinking. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Those verses are teaching this. That you would not lean on your own self, your own strength, but that you would depend upon God. And so to love the Lord God, your God with all your mind is to say, I will depend upon him. I will lean on him. I will look to him. My thinking will go through the filter of the Lord first and foremost. So to love our God with all our minds is to lean on him, is to depend on him, not ourselves. So we have loving God with all your heart, the deepest love. Loving God with all our soul, a devoted love. Loving God with all our mind, a dependent love. And then loving God with all our strength. I want you to think of this word this morning, distinction. Distinction. Think, when we think of the word strength, think of physical power. And then go beyond that and think of the abilities that God has blessed you with, the talents God has blessed you with. Have you ever heard this word, the gifts that God has blessed you with? God has distinctly gifted each of his children. And he desires for us to love him by using those gifts for him. God has gifted you. God has blessed you in this fashion. And so there is the opportunity to serve him in this way. And so quickly again, through the loving God with all our heart, the deepest love, all of our soul, the, a devoted love, all of our mind, a dependent love, and all of our strength, a distinct, distinct love. 
And so the question comes down this morning as I'd ask you to evaluate your life. Do you truly love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is your love for God the deepest of all your loves? Is the, your love for God marked by faithful devotion? Is your love for God one of complete dependence on God and Him alone? Is your love for God displayed by distinction as you serve God with how He has gifted you? In 2023, I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I began a personal love relationship with God in October of 1976. Talk about getting classic today, right? 1976, as a little boy, I came to a point in time in my life where I recognized and I understood that I could not save myself that uh, I could not make myself right with God, and I had to trust God. I had to put my faith in God and believe what God's Word says. Let me rehearse those that, that very quickly with you, what I learned and what I believed and what I understood and what I put my faith in. Is that number one, the Bible teaches is that we're all sinners. Every one of us. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is not one good person in this world. We're all sinners. Verse 10 of that chapter says, as it is written, there is none righteous. And so we're all sinners. And according to chapter 6 of Romans, verse 23, every one of us have a penalty to pay because of our sin. We're sinners, we're sinners and there is a penalty to pay for being a sinner. And that is death and separation from a holy and a righteous God. God is holy, he's without sin, I'm a sinner. And because of that, I'm separated from God. And if I die in my sin, I'll be separated from God forever. So number one, I'm a sinner. Number two, my sin separates me from God and I am so grateful for Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. Because it teaches me this, that God paid the penalty for my sin. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth or proved his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's a, there's a penalty I, that must be paid. And Jesus Christ paid that penalty for me. And if I'll call upon the Lord, according to Romans chapter 10, believing in my heart, According to verse number 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. By faith, if you'll call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing you're a sinner, that Jesus Christ took your place through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can have a love relationship with God. You can have the potential of loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. But you want to try anything else, you'll always fall short. You want to try religion, you want to try good works, you want to try uh, 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 anything else out there, it will always fall short and you'll never be able to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, or with all your mind. 
So if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, even as I speak on these things right now, the Lord's tugging at your heart. Wasn't it wonderful this morning to see a, an eight-year-old little girl follow the Lord in believer's baptism? Even a child can receive Christ as their Savior. And then here just a few weeks ago, last week and a few weeks ago, we've, we've had adults getting baptized because they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be saved here today and start a love relationship with God and love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What about the Christian that's here today and you know you're not loving him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? Your love for God does not encompass your whole life. You're trying to play, I'll give him this part of my life, but not that part of my life. Listen, then you're not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're, you're, you're not putting him where he properly belongs. You're trying to live this life in your own strength, your own ways, your own thoughts. And that's why that, he, that, 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 that things just don't go the way that they should. That's why things don't uh, match up the way that they should, because we're not putting our life in God's hands. And so this morning, I want to ask the Christian, will you just surrender today and say, God, this year, I want to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. We gave ways and suggestions there in, the, in this little pamphlet on how you can do that and being faithful in Bible devotions, being faithful in church attendance and various ways that we can live that out. But it will never go there until you turn your heart to the Lord. And so this morning, will you love him? If you're here today and you don't know Christ, will you begin that love relationship with God? and Call on him today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to how the Lord is working in your heart. I'd first of all speak to those that do not know Christ as their Savior or are not certain that Christ is your Savior. You can get that taken care of today. We'd encourage you. Would you call on the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Would you let someone to show you from the scriptures how you can know? I mentioned that I, my love relationship began with God in 1976 as a, as a young child. I wonder today, do you have a testimony? Do you have a time and a place you can go back to when your love relationship began with God? In fact, with no one's looking around but myself and maybe a, a one of, a, some of our pastors that are looking around to help me this morning, but I wonder today, are you confident in your salvation? How many of you can say with just an uplifted hand as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I can go back to a time and a place when I began a love relationship with God and I know Christ is my Savior and here's my hand of testimony in that fashion. How many of you know Christ is your Savior today? Can go to a time and a place? Thank you. You may put them down all across the room. But I wonder today, would there be someone, and I'm not here to uh, criticize you, I'm not here to hurt you, but I, I, I care about you. And if you don't know that for sure, but do you feel the Holy Spirit or the Lord tugging on your heart today? So, Pastor, I don't know about that time. I'm not sure about that, but I'd like to get that said. I'd like for you to pray for me. Anybody today raise your hand and say, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. But I'd like you to pray for me. Anybody at all, lift, lift your hand and put it right back down. Just let me see it. Anybody at all? Okay. 
And then Christian, are you truly loving God? Is he first in your life? Is he most important in your life? Are things out of whack? Are the priorities out of whack? You can get that taken care of here this morning. Lord, would you take this invitation now? Lord, would you use it for your honor and glory? And would you speak to hearts today and help us to be obedient? Lord, I did not see anybody raise their hand about salvation, that they're not saved. But Lord, if there's someone here that does not know you, Lord, I pray that you would convict them and draw them to you today. And Lord, for the believers, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, Lord, would you put a great burden on our hearts and help us to commit that to you today. In Jesus' name. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, would you stand right there at your pew? And as the piano begins to play, if the Lord spoke to your heart, would you respond to him today? The altar's available. There at your pew. Maybe bow right there at your pew. But let's do business with the Lord today.